Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. You have reached episode number 350. Well, that's a bit of a milestone entitled EMEA, the future of serverless WordPress hosting with Carl Alexander. It was published on Thursday, the 16th of November, 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and in a few short moments, we'll be joined by Carl to have our chat. But before that, a few bits of housekeeping. The first thing to mention, as I have mentioned before, is that the Black Friday sales are nearly upon us. If you're in the market for anything WordPressy, Look no further than the WP Builds Black Friday deals page. It's at the very easy to remember URL, wpbuilds.com forward slash black. I'm going to say that one more time to get it into your head. wpbuilds.com forward slash black. Over there, you're going to find over 220, and that number is sure to grow. WordPress products, services, hosting, blocks, themes, plugins, the lot. It's all searchable and filterable. Just click the little yellow button, and you'll be able to get yourself a whole ton of savings in the run-up to Black Friday. If you fancy adding your deal, there's a button there next to the yellow one, but you have to look on a desktop to see it. And also, if you want to sponsor that page, you'll notice that there are a few sponsors such as Gravity Form, WS Form, and Checkout WC. They're all sponsoring that page, and if you fancy joining them, you can see a Get Pride of Place button now, on a fake ad beneath those. So yeah, wpbuilds.com forward slash black. I think I've probably said that enough. Okay, let's move on. We are doing a whole bunch of webinars. We've got some coming up with Leo Lozovich, but we're also doing a new weekly show with Sabrina Zidane. You can submit your site at wpbuilds.com forward slash speed, and Sabrina will be taking a look at user-submitted sites in terms of optimization. We've had four so far, and they have been very, very interesting. You can find those episodes if you go to the wpbuilds.com website, click on the archives button in the main menu and go to the speed it up archive. You'll be able to find those shows there. Really interesting and a load of nuggets of useful information coming from Sabrina. Another quick thing to say would be that if you fancy making a comment about this particular episode, please do go and look for episode number 350 and leave us a comment there. It seems awfully sensible, given that we have comments inside of WordPress, to use them rather than spreading the whole conversation out over some disparate social networks. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by Omnisend. Omnisend, the top-rated email and SMS marketing platform for WordPress. More than 100,000 merchants use Omnisend every day to grow their audience and sales. Ready to start building campaigns that really sell? Find out more at www.omnisend.com. And by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place. Invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more at go.me forward slash WP builds. 
And we sincerely thank both OmniSend and GoDaddy Pro for helping to keep the lights on over at the WP Builds podcast. Very nice to have a new sponsor. Thanks to OmniSend for that, but also thank you to GoDaddy Pro. They've been with us for absolutely ages. If you would like to sponsor the podcast, we have a fairly broad reach. We've been doing this for some time. Head to wpbuilds.com forward slash advertise to find out more. Okay, what have we got in the podcast for you today? Well, it's Carl Alexander talking about EMEA. I have to say, this is one of those episodes where things go slightly over my head. It's a really interesting subject. It's all about serverless and WordPress and, as I said, the product that he's got called EMEA. We cover a lot of ground. We talk about what the advantages are of WordPress. What exactly is it? A definition of that. We talk about EMEA and Carl's experience putting that service together, how he's decided to do his pricing and how his business has succeeded and failed. We talk about the product development and use of WordPress, the transparency that he's creating around his product and the financial challenges that he's faced. We talk about hosting, AWS, all sorts of different things. And I hope that you enjoy it. I am joined on the podcast today by Carl Alexander. Hello, Carl. Hi, how are you doing, Nathan? Yeah, great. Thank you. First of all, thanks for sticking with me, Carl. What any listener to this podcast will not know, but I'm about to tell you, is that Carl and I tried to record a podcast episode, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, um, and it was an audio disaster. So <laughs> Carl's back, and uh, we feel like we've got a nice balance now. So firstly, Carl, thank you for staying the course. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I mean, I'm as frustrated or even more than you are because I've never had this audio issue yeah. before. Yeah, well, we're going to try and make it sound as nice as possible. We, You never know. We might even get into podcasting and audio and things later. Carl's on the podcast to talk about, well, honestly, who knows where this conversation is going. There's a few topics that we want to cover that we will cover, but there's also who knows what else we're going to cover because it feels like Carl is a very open book. And we may very well stray off. I'm in. also the master of tangents. So <laughs> that's why we will never know where it goes because we'll start somewhere and we'll be like, I didn't get here. Where? It's where did this? Tangents yeah. after tangents. Yeah. Four hours from now, we're both absolutely jaded. Bob gets really frustrated when he has to edit <laughs> podcasts with me because it's like, it's like, please, Carl. It'll be fine. We'll get through it. So I, I want to get everybody's attention on a couple of urls to begin with um carl is i guess i'm am i right in saying you're the founder you're the developer of emir which is yeah emir yeah i mean it, it's it's hard for me to say that emir um the spelling like, of it i think the y is an e yeah that's okay. what i tell EMEA. people okay got it right that's easy then okay but the spelling is y-m-i-r-a-p-p -P. so emirapp.com that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today. It's all tied up with uh, WordPress, obviously, and serverless WordPress in particular. So let's kick off the conversation there. First of all, Carl, I, I suspect there's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast because we have a fairly broad audience. I think there'll be a, quite a few people who do not even know what serverless means. So let's begin there. What is what is serverless okay. WordPress? I wish my WordCamp Asia talk was available on WordPress.tv. They have like a YouTube of... Um, cause I, I gave a talk on this at WordCamp Asia right. this year. Um, so the idea of serverless basically, so first of all, the first question I always get is, are there no servers with serverless? And right. I would say that is 
And there are still servers with yeah. serverless. Uh, <laughs> the, I, I didn't choose the marketing term. Some marketing department picked it. I get very, I tell people we're, we're kind of stuck with the term now because that's what some marketing department decided somewhere. But the idea with serverless is that normally when you think of WordPress and you have a server that you have to manage or that, um, basically you have, if you're using spin up WP or grid pain or just doing it yourself, you have a server that you have to manage. You have to do updates, security updates, uh, worry about all these things. And basically the idea of serverless is that it puts, uh, that management outside your sphere of concern, a bit like a managed, uh, WordPress hosting company would do. You can kind of just upload your WordPress site and then you don't really have to worry about, uh, server things. So a bit in that similar vein. Okay. So how, how does that work? Why, what, what is it that's going on that means that you don't have to worry about it? Because obviously, I, I guess, the, yeah, simply the, the question people would be scratching their head thinking, well, okay, he's explained that you don't have to worry about it, but why? What's yeah. the difference? Yeah. The advantage here is that um, uh, this is something that's really common, uh, easier to explain when I talk to people in the JavaScript space, but basically... Um, Normally, what the advantage is, is that when you're a WordPress developer or just mostly developers or agencies, if you, what you're specialized in is WordPress. You're not specialized in running a server. You're not specialized in scaling your WordPress site, especially not scaling the infrastructure of the WordPress site. You're not, you're not worried. You're not specialize in any of those things. And basically serverless lets you not worry about those things. So for example, when I talk to somebody, when I explain Emir to somebody in the JavaScript space, they get it right away mm. because if you, if you create a Next.js app and you deploy it to Vercel, nobody's going to ask you, oh, how many CPU cores do you want? Well, uh, like how much RAM? Like how, like how do you want this to scale? You just deploy it and then it scales. Like you as a developer, you don't have to worry about those server things. So serverless gets you, well, well basically Vercel runs on serverless as well, but basically the idea is to bring that kind of worry-free aspect to WordPress developers so that they can just deploy their WordPress site and not worry about anything else. Like if it ran yesterday, it'll keep running tomorrow because you don't have to do anything else uh, with it. Like the code is locked in. Um, it brings also some security benefits and some struggles for some WordPress developers as well, because it's more of an enterprise-y workflow to right. work with this. Right. So, for example, one of the common questions I get is, uh, why can't I install a plugin or a theme? And I'm, and that's because everything is read-only and you have to install it before and then redeploy it. So... Things like that can be a struggle for some WordPress developers, but the benefits are in the scale. Right now, the main benefit is the scaling right, and right. creating WordPress product. Um, that's a lot of what my customers are using it for. Um, also, they just use it to not have to worry about servers. Like I'm a sysadmin. I've been a sysadmin since I'm 16. I would just turn 40. So I should, love be the last person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should be the last person making this product, but I am so... I don't, I don't want to have to worry about anything like with, with this stuff, like the only time my site goes down is if AWS goes down and if AWS goes down, 
basically it's the time internet's to pack on up fire. Noel, go home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go yeah. No, but that's what happened. Island. There was a there was a there was an outage. I think a month ago, and even Vercel was down, and mm. and the region that was like it's just when AWS goes down, half the internet goes out. So. I'm kind of more comfortable having my site go down when half the internet goes down than for other reasons randomly at other times. Okay. Let's let's keep exploring this, though, because I feel there's still a piece of the puzzle which people won't be understanding. So you mentioned that, well, in fact, one word that you use, you use like locked down. It's locked down. You were talking about why can't I install a plugin? Why can't I install a theme? Because yeah. it's locked down. Describe describe what so let's imagine that we have deployed a WordPress website with EMEA. How do we how do we interact with those with those websites? What's the process? How do we sort of create content, modify content? What is actually going on? And how does EMEA make it all happen? Is it like a command line thing? Is it a GUI that we click buttons with? What's going on? Yeah. So um by lockdown, what I mean is that it's not exactly locked down. So the best example that I can come up with is if let's say you're you're 10 up and you built Joe Biden's whitehouse.gov. You can't go and install a plugin or Joe Biden can't go and install a theme or a new plugin on those sites. They they're they're locked down from a, from a not from a content perspective but from a file modification perspective because in an enterprise setting, and that's where I do most of my consulting, you don't want to necessarily have your, your users installing things. The WordPress site's been worked on extensively. It's been calibrated. It's been, you know, like for performance for various reasons. And you can't just arrive and be, Joe Biden can't just arrive and be, okay, I want to install, you know, uh, Hello Dolly now on this, on this WordPress site. You just need it to basically <laughs> just stay the same. Uh, and no, but it's true, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I just, because I've just got a mental because image of Joe Biden so walking in and saying, can I install Hello Dolly? And it's, it's not an image I'm going to forget quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's true. Uh, and this is really important in the enterprise environment. But because a lot of WordPress developers the one of the strengths and one of the weaknesses of the WordPress ecosystem is just that threat of technical skill. So you can you can be somebody that's just picking up programming for the first time and you can get into WordPress, but you can also be somebody like me who's been working with WordPress for a long, long time and has like a computer engineering degree and worked with Java and all these like more advanced, uh, well, not any more advanced, but like, but a lot of these more advanced concepts and that's a different skill set. So when you have somebody with a, a lower skill set that's used to being able to just have a, a website where they can install a plugin, install a team, just modify code, all these things that really make sure that your site might get hacked eventually, those things are locked down. So by its nature, serverless does that because there's no alternative to make it not do that. Um, that's how it gets the scaling done. Um, because you package the entire application, the entire WordPress site code. And that's what allows it to scale to very, very like ridiculous levels, basically. Yeah. And so you chose AWS as the sort of backbone for all of this, presumably just because of its massive size and its ability to scale 
kind of more or less infinitely, I suppose. There is literally no limit to which your website could uh, scale should that be required. Yeah, I mean, the reason I picked AWS is simple. Um, one, most of the mindshare and developers and documentation and writing is around AWS. There is there is like a fraction less for Azure or GCP. Um, and also the technologies, even though they have the similar services, they're not interchangeable. So I get asked pretty regularly, are you going to support like Azure or GCP? And I would say, no, I'm very unlikely. It's always going to be AWS. Yeah. And how, how popular is the product? We'll get into the whole do, doing things in the open. So you don't have to give me the numbers. What, what I'm meaning more is what kind of a client base do you have? Is it kind of like large agencies that are coming to you to, to, to take advantage of EMEA? I'm guessing you don't have many, you know, freelancers particularly. Maybe you do. I don't know. Actually, I do have, the. I'd say it's mostly freelancer. Oh, we'll talk about it. I just changed the pricing. So there's a couple of agencies um, that signed up because I just upped my pricing a lot. So, um, I mean, I just will get into it right now. So here we go. First tangent. Um, <laughs> so Emir itself is built, it was inspired by this uh, product that Taylor Otwell built. So Taylor Otwell, for those who don't know, is the creator of Laravel, which is like one of the most popular frameworks in developer frameworks out there, but it's also a PHP framework. Um, and he built this product called Laravel Vapor, which does exactly this. I mean, now there's differences between the products, but basically conceptually, they're the same thing. He lets you deploy a Laravel application to AWS uh, using serverless. And I was there when he announced the product. And I was like, I was sit sitting next to, uh, I mean, probably some listeners know about him. He's still in the WordPress community, but less active. Uh, Josh Pollock. I was like oh, sitting yeah, next yeah. to Josh Pollock. Yeah. yeah. So I was sitting right next to Josh Pollock and I was saying, I'm building this. Um, that was in 2019. So I started working on this in 2019. I started basically proof of concept being it. Yes. WordPress could even work because WordPress versus Laravel is a very different beast um, in terms of application. So, but um, he basically marketed it to everyone. So that's what I was trying to do till recently. So he had just one pricing for $39 and it applied to everyone. And I just changed that recently because um, the reality is that while WordPress has a much larger market share, I really thought that there'd be enough developers to make this sustainable for me. And there hasn't been. So mm. I'm going in a, a bit slightly, I'm trying in the, a different direction now. Uh, like this just happened. Like uh, we, we talked about, build, we're going to talk about building public. Like I changed the pricing like a month ago. Yeah, I see that actually. Um, I remember not seeing the $39 uh, box. Um, and only seeing, yeah, I no, you, now there's yeah. three boxes. Yeah. Yeah. There there's two three before, boxes. Think, there was yeah. two boxes. Yeah. There was two. There was Carl as a service, which was like a kind of like tongue in cheek thing that I was doing. But yeah, now the agency pricing is a lot higher, uh, because I think the agencies that can use this need to be higher caliber, like the 10 ups and the imp snide and, um, XWP and those ones. Yeah. But there's challenges to that as well. 
And then the other thing that's interesting that I'm exploring right now is just uh, licensing the technology or, and that I got a lot of interest when I was after my WordCamp Asia talk, because uh, we haven't really talked about where this technology is especially useful, but after I talked about it in, in uh, WordCamp Asia, and I had a lot of smaller hosting operators that were like, I would love to be able to use this right, as part of my right. hosting, um, uh, my hosting products that I offer. So and you're thinking so, about licensing it out. Okay. That's interesting. All right. All right. Yeah. Because, because this is, I don't, I don't do hosting. This was a very intentional decision because every time I have investment, people want to invest and they're like, but why aren't you doing hosting? It's because I don't want to do hosting because hosting, the best description I had for hosting. And it's so true is it's, you're basically a customer service company that happens to have data centers. Like I don't <laughs> want to do, um, I don't want to specialize in customer service. Like I want to specialize in technology. I still want to do, like, I still like helping developers, but I think one of the important things, if you're going to small, start a small business for me anyways, was thinking about who I want my customers to be. Mm. And I'd rather my customers to be developers or technical people than uh, just people that are like, why isn't my site working or, or things like that. I'll still get some of those, but I want it to be more developerly than, uh, than just a supportive for like hosting. So that was an intentional decision. Okay. okay. So back to the pricing then. So you've got this 30, yeah. th this is what it says now. <laughs> you're obviously, you're obviously yeah. open to amend amendations here, but currently you've got three plans, one of which is enterprise. Let's talk. So we'll just leave that one to one side. People can phone you up if they need to, but you've got the, the personal plan at $39 a month, which includes three projects. And then you've got the agency, which is basically a thousand dollars. It's 999. Uh, dollars a month. I mean, obviously there's going to be quite some difference there, but what is the difference? Yeah. I mean, this one I've been talking, I don't know if they'll work out, but basically the idea when I was talking away, um, I have some partnerships in the work and talking with partnerships and uh, people that I consider a bit more coaching is that those larger agencies like XWP or 10up mm -hmm. paying 12,000 a year for a piece of software is it it's an expensive yeah. thing yeah but it's yeah. not it's not like a huge budgetary thing for a smaller agency so I had friends in smaller agencies and I have some agencies that signed up before so I grandfathered the the previous plan which was unlimited everything and one of the challenges with the unlimited everything and that prompted this change is that for $39 a month, you could build a hosting company with this. And yeah. I know because <laughs> I have one customer that was trying to build a hosting company with this. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's, so if you're trying to partner with me and somebody's basically can copy what you're building and you're paying me, you know, thousands of dollars a month and then somebody else can just arrive and pay $39 to just do it they don't feel safe so that was kind of the the idea it i wrote the whole i wrote a whole thing about it like i i just had the product wasn't growing very fast like you can see it on the open page and i just didn't know 
I, I wanted to change something and I had to find the thing that I was most comfortable or most willing to maybe sacrifice. And one of the things that I really wanted with this was to make it available to anyone. Right. right. Like, like, like to give an idea, I'm pretty sure like Laravel Vapor makes a couple of million a year and I'm making 18,000. Uh, so there's I a thought you were going to say 18 million then. Million, yeah, good. but no, I, the 18,000, I left the pause intentionally. Yeah. Like I left the pause intentionally. Uh, I make 18,000 after over, uh, a bit over two years. Right. And it's, it's the reality is that I wanted this to be something that everybody could use. I even did a kind of like open source GitHub support campaign at some point, And that's another story in itself. But um, a lot of what Emir is, is open source, but the, the platform to manage everything um, isn't. So uh, that was how I was trying to sustain my open source work, essentially. But I realized that this wasn't going to happen. Like, I'm, I'm not on track to have a thousand. I wasn't on track to have a thousand $39 a month customers. So what were my options? Like either I could keep going or I needed to think about what I was willing to sacrifice. So I could have just taken investment money uh, and I decided that I really don't want to do invest. I'd, I'm still very anti-investment. I'm not sure I will ever take any investment. Uh, I've been offered multiple times uh, and I just I don't like being on somebody else's time schedule. Like mm, I just want to, yeah. I want to just be, because at that point you need, they need returns, right? Like I'm trying to build more of a lifestyle business than, than something else. So I'd rather, like my role model is more like Till, like Till Cruz, who does Object Cash Pro, like just be one or two people or three people, or um, I forget his name from Meteoric. Also, like they're just a really small, com small company. So, I just want to stay intentionally very small. So I'm trying to focus on where I can leverage that. Um, so the pricing change came from that. So mm -hmm. I was thinking for the agencies, it's, it's a steep price, but it's also a really um, critical technology. So we haven't really talked too much about what this does and why it's really powerful but it kind of affects which let's, type of let's go on yeah we're gonna go for it but that'll be, <laughs> yeah but that's why i price it high for agencies so what this technology is good so right now i've been again i've been a system man since i'm 16 i gave a talk at WordCamp san diego in 2016 on the more modern wordpress software stack that had a companion article that got republished on smashing mag it was incredibly popular but basically most hosting companies have 95% of host companies right now solve WordPress, solve WordPress hostings for content sites. So mm -hmm. if you're like a news site, right. a blog or things like that, uh, they solve it. They solve it very well. I would say like everybody has their own thing, but it's like kind of like different flavors of vanilla, right? Like you like French vanilla or do you like the soft serve vanilla, but it's all vanilla. They have their own kind of take on the vanilla, um, but it's all vanilla. But what's going to happen over the next decade and already started is that a lot of more people are using WordPress as an application. Right. So I'm thinking WooCommerce. Yep. I'm talking yep. Buddy Boss sites. I'm talking LearnDash sites, uh, like e-learning, e-commerce, um, 
I have one of my customers that's building like a site builder, like building products. Wow. Like one, one wow. of them, like, yeah. But I mean, why do you, like, you don't, if you build something. So one of the examples I gave my talk at WordCamp Asia is like gravity forms. Like why couldn't gravity forms just compete with type form? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. like why couldn't they have an application that lets you create a gravity form site and, uh, and it's just gravity form. They have a great user and like experience and all that stuff. Like, but the customer doesn't need to know it's WordPress underneath. They're just, they're paying gravity forms to just host a form. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But those are applications and scaling an application is very different than scaling a content site. Um, it's, it's what it requires a lot more compute, right? If you go the, the, if you go on the pricing pages, that's where they talk about PHP workers, right? Like how right, many PHP right. workers can you have? Um, and that's something, again, when I was talking about like the, the Vercel people, they don't want to know about how many PHP workers they have. They don't, they don't want to care about that. And this is where the technology is really, really powerful because it basically lets you have infinite PHP workers. Um, you can have thousands. You can have in the span of a minute, you can yeah. go from zero to yeah. having thousands of them. Um, and this is really important when you're dealing with e-commerce sites, for example, like sales. So I did a, I did a, a test before uh, um, WordCamp Asia where I did 4,000 WooCommerce orders in the span of 15 minutes. So, <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and uh, that was the, the 4,000, that was basically 1,500 browsers, like logged in people, like actual browsers hitting like all the JavaScripts, all the web pages, all that stuff coming in at the same time to do checkouts. And the only reason I did 4,000 was that was the, the 1,500 was the limit of the load testing software that I had. Right, right, it wasn't right. actually, it was actually a limit. <laughs> And I've talked to like larger hosting CTOs and director of operations. Um, and they've told me like, we can't do this. Like, you know, like it's, uh, there's a couple of hosting players that are trying to do it, but like can't do it to that scale at that speed. Right. Essentially. Yeah. Um, and that is really important because a lot of the, like I did a lunch and learn with AWS because, uh, AWS reached out to me. Uh, one of their solutions engineer, and they had a lunch and learn for the education center uh, sector because there's e-learning for LearnDash, but there's WordPress is used extensively in universities and colleges. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And and they basically deal what serverless is really good at is like these irregular irregular traffic spikes. Like oh, like I my my site's getting no traffic, and then. I send a newsletter. I'm having a sale right now, or it's the beginning of the semester. Everybody's trying to register or check out right. notes okay. for this course. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Or, um, or sign up for this course, or you're doing a, a webinar and everybody's logging in at the same time, right? You're doing a learn desk webinar. Everybody's logging in at the same time, but then the rest of the time, the site does nothing or does very little. Like WooCommerce, if you're a WooCommerce store owner, you don't care whether your site's up 99% of the time. It just needs to be up when you like do that sale because that's right. when most of your revenue comes in. So when the site comes over, like I've looked, like I've helped 
um, yeah. try to migrate or um, audit like sites that run on like 128 core servers and they still like topple over. Yeah, there is a, a there sale, is a right? there is a, a, a ceiling, isn't there? There's a glass ceiling that you can't smash. Yeah, through. there's yeah. a glass ceiling, right? For for what a server can do, um, and having a scaling infrastructure that can adapt that quickly is very hard. And most hosting companies don't do it. They just ask you to like upscale before the sale, or like they have like a rep or things like that. But with serverless, you just you don't worry about it can like i just ask a bit you, about the about how frequently those kind of things are happening so let's say that i send out my email and i am super popular and famous and suddenly within the space of several seconds there's just this flood of traffic how how quickly does the reshaping of the the server if you like how quickly does that ramp up is it more or less instantaneous does it does it sort of poll every kind of minute or, or does it sort of auto-detect? Okay, we're getting hit, ramp up, ramp up, ramp up. Okay, we're not... A regular server? Yeah. A regular server? Um, no, no, depends. no. If you're... The, the AWS offering that you're, that you're using. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it just knows. Like, I, wow. it's built on... I just Yeah, it's built on this tech, open source technology called Firecracker. I mean, there's way more things going on behind the scenes because every time it's like somebody like, couldn't we install just Firecracker on a machine and make it work? One of the things that I feel like AWS, um, a lot of, at least I hear a lot in, in WordPress circles because we're a lot more price sensitive, but I feel like uh, AWS abstracted away a lot of complexity of infrastructure to API calls and people take it a bit for granted. Like, right, right. Like with this, you don't even, it doesn't even matter. Like, for example, they reroute traffics. So... Again, I'm getting a bit nerdy. No, it's good. I'm enjoying this. They, like, <laughs> so let's say you're in an AWS region. So for example, one the one that's the most popular, that's like a bit more critical than others, is called US East 1. Okay. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. US East 1, if you have a data center uh, region, you have multiple data centers in that region that are close by, but separated enough. And that's really important because I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, but OVH had a yes, fire. Yes, a big fire. Uh, and then... And their data centers were exactly next to each other. Yeah. And basically the fire oh. contag like contaminated both like multiple data centers because of that. So you want them geographically dispersed. But with this technology, you like normally with like if you spin up a server, that server is going to be in one of those data centers, right? And if there's a problem with that data center, your server is going to go down unless you do some replication or things like that. But this is all handled automatically for you. Like if there's like some latency issues or things like that, it just gets rerouted. Your code runs anyways. So it's automagical. Um, <laughs> it's remarkable. Yeah, no, it is remarkable. And, and honestly, uh, one of the things that I closed off my uh, talk at WorkCamp Asia on is just trying to think about hosting as, like this, I'm very early in this technology. Like we talk a lot, like in startups and technology, it, um, there's always like the question of timing. I'm definitely early, but it's, I like to think about, there's been eras of, of kind of computing. And let's say you're under your early WordPress, right? Like you can actually see what the hosting companies are by, by when they were founded. Because 
let's say you were in the early 2000s. Like I'm basically the guy in the early 2000s talking about the cloud, right? Uh, right, like, right. Uh, okay, yeah, like yeah. in the early 2000s and you, you come to a CTO and they're like, you're like the cloud. They're like, no, you're crazy. Like you build your own data centers, you put them in a bunker, you have some redundancy and failovers and things like that. But like the cloud, no, you're crazy. Like I wouldn't build a hosting company on, on the cloud. I build a hosting company with data centers. There's also a cost aspect to it, but like mainly that was the issue. Yep. But in the 2010s, you arrive to somebody and you say like, oh, I want to start a hosting company. I'm thinking of building my own data centers. They're like, are you crazy? No, you <laughs> build it in the cloud. Like you're in the cloud, right? Like you don't actually go and build data centers. A couple of them did, but like, if you look at it, um, you don't do that. And right now I'm at the phase where basically I'm like, have you heard of serverless? And they're like, no, you're crazy. You do it in the cloud, but but it's it's coming and it's a transition um, that's going to take probably the next decade to happen. But Vercel is a perfect example of that. Like nobody hosts a JavaScript application on a server somewhere. Like it's it's all deployed and it just sits there and it's managed and you don't have to worry about it, about the code. But in WordPress, you can really see it. Like the automatics, GoDaddy, uh, the useful they all run data centers, but they're the oldest hosting companies. Mm. But if you look at, the, if you look at this, the newer ones, the Pageleys, the WP engines, the Pantheons, they don't run data centers. They're all on either, uh, Pantheons on GCP. Uh, WP engine is a mix of GCP and AWS and Pagely was AWS only. And, you know, GoDaddy actually bought them partially because they wanted uh, AWS expertise, okay, although they fired a lot of people. So, but they fired a lot of them, but, uh, but that was initially, I think like the, an idea of them is to just bring in that kind of expertise because, uh, it's different, right? Running data centers is completely different from running a cloud infrastructure. And that's kind of the idea, right? Like, let's say you're, you're call Hancock and you're like, I want to build that, that, uh, it's not the best example because he has basically infinity money, but. Let's say you're a smaller, like, yeah, like, you, but like you, you're a smaller host, uh, plugin provider. And you're like, I would like to host, have a paid hosted version of my product. If you want to do that, you have to hire like cloud engineers, like sysadmins, all this stuff to like build out the infrastructure, or you could just deploy it and it runs. Right. And then you can just worry about building that product. And that's kind of how I finished my WordCamp Asia talk. Like, I'm just a technologist. Like, I'm, and like, I'm not the best at making products. As we can see, like, I, I've been the most successful at it yet. But I can't imagine the things necessarily that you can build with this, with WordPress. But more and more people are building actual platforms and products where WordPress is kind of like the operating system, you know, like. You remember when Matt said that, like you wanted like WordPress yeah. to be like the operating yeah. system of web, but it's a bit closer to that now because it's more of an application framework. And, you know, like, like I said, I had one customer building like, um, a landing site builder. Like, uh, do you know card? Like it's C A R R D, I think. No, I don't, but it's like a single site builder, but they basically built a single, a single page site builder with the full site editor. And then each person signs up and they, they're like, they're a single page site uh, that they built with Gutenberg and, and the full site editor. And that's it. And interesting, right. But those are products, right? They're products. And like, 
but they don't want to have to worry about the the system you need things right like they want to have to just basically like i had that conversation too with um elementor at work camp asia like i was talking with i think he was engineer number one but he was saying like oh they use kubernetes and stuff like that and i was like well that that's really hard to calibrate really well and he's like yeah like your stuff's way easier like they have like three or four um engineers like cloud engineers just for their black friday sale to just like plan for that like it's it's a lot right so huh. but they have they they're on a different scale but for for people that are just starting off or are trying to build a product and can't afford necessarily to hire a cloud engineer or or a sysadmin or things like that this lets them kind of like start playing around with it so that's kind of where the enterprise thing is too that's why on the enterprise thing i have like if you want to build products because I have people building products with this right now and or using it as like the key technology for their product because that's what it lets you do. And um, and that's a lot more difficult to do if I was hosting too, right? Yeah. Because then it's like my infrastructure. Now they pay their AWS bill. Like I, I'm not. I'm not in charge of their AWS. Oh, bill. that's they, interesting. Yeah, that they, that is a question I had. I was wondering who was paying that bill. Is it always? Do, it doesn't matter which plan you're on, whether you got the personal. No, one. No, it doesn't matter. You're always yeah. paying it. And so, so is there a chance that you could end up with some just like gigantic DDoS bill because some some malicious actor somewhere just decided, right? I am going to take your site it, to the cleaners, and you know. I mean, it is possible. Um, one of my favorite examples. Do you know Fatima Analytics? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, do you know Fatim Analytics? Uh, runs not not intimately, I know of it. I've seen their their page. No, but, but Fatim Analytics runs on this. Like oh. they're a Laravel application okay. that runs on this, okay. and they handle billions of queries a minute. Yeah, no this, kidding. Yeah, <laughs> with this, and it's all just serverless. That like, like uh, Jack Ellis was is the only developer. Like they were two. It was Paul Jarvis and Jack Ellis. Paul Jarvis is just a marketer. Uh, it was Jack Ellis for years running this just with this technology and he could sleep at night. Nice. So, so you can build an analytics company with this. Like that's how like good this is. Uh, so I'm, I'm very, very, very bullish on, on the whole thing. It's just, like I said, timing's a thing. Yeah. It's a new uh, frontier, um, right? Got it. it. It's a new frontier, right? But right. Think about it this way. Like, would you, would you rather just, even if you were like hosting like a WooCommerce site, like, why do I have to know how many PHP workers there are? Like, right, I what, get it. how many, yeah. well, like, why do yeah. I, yeah, like, you don't want to have to think about those things. And if you, when you talk to JavaScript developers, it's so obvious in their head because they don't have to think about those things. Like when they deploy the Vercel, they just deploy the Vercel and it, just works obviously there's still calibration and performance like you have to worry about the the scaling of the, the actual code like performance right like if you make a query you loop through a million items it's going to take a you know a long time to do it if you don't think about it that way but it's a very different problem than having to worry whether like my server is going to blow up when i have a sale right yeah like they're different one is a code problem where you can think through the code and like how your code's scaling with like a, an increasing amount of data and the other one is just like will my server keel over the minute i have a sale or like i do a webinar or something like that completely or 
they're very different problems, right? And one of them is just very developer focused. And the other one is you need an entire different skill set that's not core to your uh, business, right? Like, Like managing servers is not what a plugin business or a team business or a product business really wants to do. Like they want to work on their product and the marketing and all that stuff. So this is what it lets you do. I'm going to link in the show notes to a variety of different pages that um, that Carl has got up. So, for example, there's a there's a comparison page for deploying a managed WordPress hosting website. There's you know running a server and so on and so forth. But never really got into that conversation. But I, I think probably time has passed. But I'll certainly link to that page where you can see Carl's take on how managed WordPress hosting. Compares yeah. against I'd like to Imia. do a marketing page more for the application, like what I've just been talking a lot about, yeah. like just about thinking about applications. I've just been trying really hard to think about like how I want to like present that information. Yeah, I feel like presenting the WordPress angle is is well certainly from my point of view that's really useful because I get to see, you get yeah you, you run well your- so this is one angle. So the other angle that I don't know how many finance types uh, listen to this, but the other angle that's very very interesting. So is that normally when you think about server, this is both scary and powerful. So normally when you think about a server, you pay a fixed cost per month. Yep. Right. With this technology, you pay per use. So when your code runs, you pay. If your code doesn't run, you don't pay. Yeah. It's nice. So this can be, this is nice, but it can be scary because your your bill (laughs) is, is, is can be can vary wildly uh and it's hard to necessarily uh plan for it or it's a different way of of financial planning but what's really interesting is for example so we talked earlier about that load testing that i did four thousand four thousand orders in 15 minutes right so i know that i did four thousand orders and I also know that it cost me $10 to Ooh. process those, those 10,000 or uh, oh, those 4,000 order. Oh, 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 so I actually know that it cost me 0.0025 cents. I think it is. Yeah, that sounds order. right. Yep. Yep. So you can now rethink how you do pricing, right? Like you could do a hosting company that charges per order. Yeah, interesting. As opposed per month. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, you'd have to bake in like more, like you wouldn't charge 0.225 because you need to take in like the regular traffic, like just visiting the site and things like that. But, and like the CDN cost, but you could like even, let's say you'd charge like, you know, I think we were at a fraction of a cent per order. Let's say you charge five, five cents per order, let's say. Well, you know, you can, that's a that's something right like it's different uh um, yeah i'm I'm just so it's kind of like imagine that you own a bricks and mortar shop imagine if you could have a completely free you know you don't have to pay electricity or ground rent or anything like that when there's nobody in the shop it's just totally free and then as soon as customers walk in and start picking things up and browsing things and looking and potentially buying now you're paying it's a little yeah. bit like that. There's That's a such a bit, neat model. Yeah, it's a bit like that. Yeah, it's there's a bit of a fixed cost. For example, yeah, the yeah, database, yeah, yeah. right? You can't keep the database offline. Yep. So it's a bit like you would still have to pay for the electricity. But uh, 
but basically your cashier, let's say you, we, we, let's continue with the brick and mortar store, right? Like, let's say you have a brick and mortar store. You have to pay for the electricity for the lights to stay on. You can't take them off and turn them on. But imagine your cashiers could just like appear yeah, out yeah, of thin that's air. Neat. I like process, that. Yeah, that's it. Pro- yeah. Process it and then they're gone. Yeah. Or like those self-checkout things. Uh, that's basically what it is. So your cashiers and not only can you have like like it's not just one cashier imagine you had like like the matrix style like you could have like infinity cashiers <laughs> show up at like just like spread out all of a sudden and then process everybody's order uh check out with all their items and then they're gone like poof you know like uh a bit like an and rick and morty with uh, uh mr mixie like they're basically they're done and they just disappear out of thin air. That's basically. such a compelling uh, argument, isn't it? I mean, there's. I, I know that you said that there's some background costs which you can't avoid, and that's that's inevitable in business. You can't run a- any business without some basic right. cost. But if you can if you can mitigate lots of the other costs, like the the invisible cashier who's simply not there until is required, and then oh, th- there they are. Um, yeah, that's that is a neat, neat argument, and I feel that. Yeah, I feel that. Well, I mean, that was an argument I made too with AWS when I had the launch and learn, right? Because if you are paying for these really high capacity servers for like the three times of the year, right? You know, like beginning right. of the semester, midterms, and finals, or you have to bring them up and down yourself, right? You have to remember, okay, like I brought it down, like, uh, like let's say you you do that with Nexus or something like you say okay like give me like the high capacity thing but then you forget about it well you're paying for that yeah you know until you remember to bring it yeah. down they're, they're not going to bring it down for you um so it's really powerful but like you said there's a ddos i kind of forgot about that we, we went on a tangent but the ddos thing is interesting too because it is a worry and jack ellis actually wrote an, an article at some point where he was uh getting DDoS uh, and how he mitigated that and how he dealt with it. Um, and I took a lot of the, the knowledge that he shared from that and I built it into Emir. But there's there are services, obviously they're expensive, but there are services that you can use to like within AWS to mitigate DDoS. Is it things like CloudFront? Um, and they have like a cl- like that? Well, CloudFront runs automatically, but you would need okay. like a web application firewall. Okay like a firewall to block requests. Uh, you can do rate limiting, right? You can rate limit requests. Uh, standard things that you would do on a WordPress site is just, it's a bit more scary when yeah, the, before, there is no glass ceiling. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, there's a glass ceiling. So I don't let you scale to infinity by default. Oh, okay. You have to actually, the, like you have to actually change the setting, like the, the configuration option to do it. So, it's a security, it's a safety feature because I would rather be safe than sorry than be the cause of a massive bill because like you left the site running and by default it can scale to like stupid amounts and somebody was like brute forcing you or something like that and you end up paying a huge bill because of that. So I'd rather have that in place. But there's mitigation solutions to that. Um, but what's scary versus a regular server is if you get DDoS with a regular server, your, so- your server kind of cu- like breaks and yeah, then collapses you, nothing and then happens back, the site yeah. did, but it this is a bit different because the the site will still work but you're now paying a lot a lot a lot of money because 
all these requests are basically garbage and you're paying for them. Yeah. So it's, um, so it, it is tricky, but so far I haven't had any customers that has had issue, but it's always, those are always, uh, risks. Um, and I acknowledge them. So like I acknowledge them and I am aware of them and that's why Emir doesn't let you, this is a, this is a difference with the Laravel version, by the way, the Laravel version actually gives you like, doesn't cap your scaling by defaults. So, uh, if you don't do it, that's actually like in Jack Ellis, Jack Ellis did a serverless Laravel course. Right. And that's one of the things he says to do in the course is like set a limit so that something like that doesn't happen and causes you like a lot of financial hardship. But one of the things I will tell you about AWS that uh, it AWS and pricing is always a bit tricky. But one thing I will tell you is that if you make a mistake, if something happens and you contact them, like if you wake up one day and your bill was normally like 50 bucks and you wake up one day and you have a $10,000 bill, usually I have not heard yet of anybody that did not get that bill voided. Uh, like, the first time around, like yeah. they will, they are very, they will, they are very lenient about it. I have larger concerns around it, which is basically, I think they should be more proactive and making sure this doesn't happen because I still think that one day somebody will like a student or something like that will wake up. They have a $50,000, uh, AWS bill and think their life's over and like off themselves. Right. And yeah. they won't know and they won't know because that they could have done that. Um, so I would rather if they were more proactive, but I always warn people that I take this really seriously, but also if something does happen, they can talk to AWS. But yeah. so far in my three years of working on this, I have not had anybody that this has happened to. And even I'm very involved in the Laravel and the larger PHP initiatives around this. And I have not heard of one story. The closest story was Jack Ellis's story which he documented online um, in an article where he was trying to get DDoS by a competitor. Um, <laughs> but that was that was the only time that I've heard of somebody having this kind of like situation yeah. in the entire PHP ecosystem. Well, I, I guess I guess a nice thing about what you've just told us, though, is you're going in with your eyes open a bit because, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. If you are aware that that could happen and, you know, you see a sudden spike in your bill, clearly something's gone wrong it may not be your fault it yeah. may be somebody else out there on the internet who's just decided they're going to really throw the the mud at you and you can yeah. you can you can act against that and presumably you can work with AWS to figure figure that out that's interesting yeah um it's just i've just looked at the time Carl. we've done 50 minutes already so i want to just pivot. oh my god we didn't even do the building oh, public but part. let's do that quickly right let's just pivot to that so that's emir okay. i'm going to link to all of the pages that I've found uh, on the EMEA website. Uh, once more, emeaapp.com. Uh, you can go there and have a look about what Carl has just been talking about. But there's a, a curious side to Carl's life that we wanted to explore quickly, and we will have to do this fairly quickly. So if you go to emeaapp.com forward slash open, I have never seen this in my life, right? I don't know what to make of it. It's fascinating. It, Carl has decided that he's basically going to tell you everything about himself. <laughs> everything uh well i mean not everything but you know he's going to he's going to reveal the the stats about emir 
how much money it's making, what the what the churn is, how much he's how much his costs are. Literally, it's all there. Um, what the heck? <laughs> what are you doing? Okay, so this comes from there's a whole kind of like bootstrapper build in public um thing. Um, some people thought it it's good marketing. I'm not convinced it's especially good marketing. Most of the people that do it aren't really convinced that it's good marketing. Uh, I've always been very transparent. So on carlalexander.ca, I do a year in review. Um, I also did a talk at Pressonomics that was called Following Your Passion, where I talk about very candidly about a lot of the things that I've, I've done. Actually, we, we even talked, I, I'm going to drop, I'm going to drop it in just because we talked about it before, uh, the podcast recording, but, um, nobody wants to talk about how much money they make. So yeah. last year I made about 40,000 US. Which for somebody of my caliber is basically I'm underpaid by a factor of at least five, basically. Um, and that's just, I just share a lot of that stuff uh, publicly because for a couple of reasons. One, um, I think it's really, I talked about it in the following my passion thing, but I find that there's a lot, and this is increasing a lot on Twitter and LinkedIn. There's just a lot of people just shoving a lot of me. Um, like feel good uh, entrepreneurial stuff. Oh, and it's where I wanted to fight with it, aren't we? Yeah, this is more real. Yeah. yeah, but I, but I, I wanted to do something that fights against what you call survivorship bias. So, sir, I talk a lot about it in, in my talk for Pressnomics. But survivorship bias is basically you only hear about the successful people because the people that fail, you they don't really write about it. Yeah. So it kind of yeah. like gives you yeah. an idea. It gives you this idea that it's really easy to do a business and. I wanted to fight against that. Like I wanted to basically show the ups and downs and the, 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 the rough things because, you know, success, everybody feels it's always an overnight success. And then you realize that it was not for 99% um, of people. It was never an overnight success, but you never get to see what happened before. So I really wanted to show that, um, uh, that was really important, actually, this building in public thing. When I changed my pricing, I got a lot of emails from my customers that were like, basically, you know, one of the reasons I feel confident with this pricing change is like, you've just really always been transparent about everything. Yeah, no um, kidding. Yeah. And I like, so they really appreciated that. And I, but for me, it was making it public was basically sharing the journey. So making sure that people saw what was happening, how this hasn't been easy. Like I talk a few times how I thought, you know, like I didn't think I'd make like millions like Taylor Otwell, but I definitely didn't think I'd be making 18,000 after two and a half years. I thought I'd probably be closer to a hundred. Uh, mm. And that's been hard, right? Because I still have to do consulting. I still have to do, I still have to find ways to survive, even though I live off like 40,000 US, which not a lot of people, this is a, this could be an entire talk in itself. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but the second part of it was just, it helps with accountability. So there's one of the pages, not the, the open page, but there's another page called reports. Is that forward and I send a report every yeah. yeah. So yeah. forward okay. slash reports. Yep. I send a report every two weeks about what I've been doing. Yeah, I get like these. What's I happening? Get your, I get your email. Yeah. So what I've been doing, what's happening, um, what I've been working on, 
like how much I'm struggling with marketing right now. We talked a bit about it before the podcast, like I'm not marketing enough, but it's a hard product to market. I, you know, I'm, I'm used to marketing weird, hard niche things, but this one's really hard as well. Um, but it keeps me accountable because like, I know that I want to show something every two weeks and it makes me continue working on it. And it builds like this habit of like continually, like improving the product, working on things, thinking about things, trying to solve how to grow this thing um, into something. Uh, because like I said, I really, I really screwed up the timing, but I, there's no question in my mind that in 10 years, people will be like, Hey, like, aren't you going to spin up a droplet on digital ocean? They're like, no, you're freaking crazy. Like I'm going to deploy my code and it's just going to run. Uh, that's going to be what people are going to be saying in 10 years. Like yeah. I'm hundred percent convinced of that. So, and so it's just, how do I bridge that gap in time is like the challenge right now. Yeah. It's really interesting. Cause one of the first things that you hit with is the, the number of subscribers to Emir. I'm back on the, um, open page by the way. Yeah. And then the annual run rate. And then you got this graph, which at the very beginning, so the, the product launched in January, 2021, or at least it was available, I suppose, to purchase yeah. because. That's the first time it no, goes. No, I started in February, but oh, okay. I just decided I'd start in January. Oh, I see. So that you had a naught. Yeah, you had a zero. Yeah, okay. So it yeah. began in February, yeah. and it looked like for the first, let's say, six months of 2021, you were on a quite a clip, especially between June and July. Things looked really yeah. good. It was going. It was almost like a 45 degree curve on the axis in the in the way that I'm viewing it. Yeah. Uh, so impressive. Then it kind of levels right out. Uh, for the next probably year. 2022 was rough. Yeah. 2022 was flat. Yeah. Essentially. Like I mean, it, it a little like bit of growth. But towards the end. Yeah. And in fact, at some points, it, it drops down. But then now, May 2023, April, May 2023 to Ju Ju July, you look like you're getting yeah. back in the swing of things. <laughs> it looks good. Yeah, but now I changed the pricing, oh, so no, I just talked go down about again. it. So it's, no, I don't know if it's going to go down again because... If you cancel, you lose the grandfathered plan, right? So I think it's going to make this more or less a baseline. I just don't know how many people are going to sign up for personal, which is interesting. But for me, I, I want to try to find a couple of agencies, basically, because if I can find a couple of agencies, oh, you get, then, yeah, you then it's steady. I'm, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. You know, then I'm good, you know, because they're built annually. And I don't know. I think they will be better customers anyways um so but yeah no that's that's been the build-in public i i mean like i told you it'd be hard to keep it to 45 minutes with me um <laughs> it, it's like, okay uh, it's okay honestly i but, think i think it's really refreshing I, I mean i love the open source nature of things but it's not it uh, i was saying to you before we hit we hit record that in in the uk probably more broadly europe but certainly in the uk money Money is not something that people talk about. In fact, quite the opposite. It, it would be the height of rudeness to to ask somebody what they earn, especially for a Brit, right? Right. Especially for a Brit, it's kind of that question that you know your infant child will say to somebody, and you'll be like, "Don't, don't ask that, you rude little child." You know, you sort of. I, I find that it's still the same way here. Yeah, I just volunteer the information. I just which think is it's different. wonderful. Uh, it's so refreshing. But also the fact that you're so putting out to those continue emails. with that. Sorry, go on, say again. Yeah, just to continue with that, um, I also did a Twitter thread 
that's pinned to my profile that talks about when I was trying to get GitHub sponsors to help me kind of fill in a bit of income. And that's been a journey in itself. Like that just went up and then people started canceling and that's it. Um, but, but I talk candidly about money on that one too, basically, because it, a lot of what you do in WordPress is done for free. And that's like another topic I want to talk about a lot at WordCamps, like in the next decade is like the cost of open source and contributing and, um, the real cost to that, because I organized WordCamp Montreal for 10 years. Like I've probably given like multiple thousands of hours to WordPress of like free time. Um, and it's hard, right? Like it's hard. Like it, it, I, it was a choice, but it, not everybody can make that choice. And I yeah. talked about it in my pressnomics talk. It, my choice is born of privilege. Like I have the privilege of being able to do that. Most people don't. And I feel like we need to acknowledge that and offer more opportunities to people to contribute, to find financial stability in other ways. And also like make sure the ecosystem stays healthy. Um, like WordPress uses a lot of open source things that we don't financially con- contribute back to. Well, do you know what, Carl? We said at the beginning that we had no idea where this conversation was going to end up. And so it is proven to be. But now that we've got to an hour, I think we should probably cap it off. Maybe yeah. we yeah, can we'll carry this it. conversation uh, on another day in another different way. You never know. There might be some kind of video content that we could put out around what EMEA actually does and yeah, how it looks sure. and all of that kind of stuff. But for now, uh, Carl, just drop the the one or the two best places that people could get in touch with you should they have listened to this and think, actually, Carl's somebody I yeah. want to speak to. Yeah, um, I would say Twitter has always been good, uh, even though it's kind of falling off a cliff. I really haven't found something else yeah. to replace Twitter. I'm just not posting a lot anymore, but if you contact me on that, okay. it's usually good. I have a newsletter at carlalexander.ca. Um, if for coding, for learning object-oriented programming, because I also self-published a book, uh, which we didn't cover uh, either. Uh, and uh, <laughs> there's so much. And then Emir, Emir has a, a the reports thing. So the reports is also a newsletter. So if you want to just hear about Emir itself, I would say sign up for the reports. I get um, I get this email every couple of weeks dropping into my inbox and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's every two weeks unless I'm traveling for like work camp or something like that. And then yeah. it kind of like, it might be, it might get a, a small gap, but I've been re- very regular. I'm, I just did my 55th one, I think, uh, this week or 56th. Oh, it's still going. So yeah, th- those would be the ways to reach me. That's perfect. Um, that's great. So I'll, I'll dig out your Twitter. I'll dig out your, um, links to your reports and all of that. And I'll post them in the show notes. So. Head over to wpbuilds.com, search for the episode with Carl Alexander in it. Carl with a C, by the way, just in case you were going to spell that wrong. And uh, Carl, thank you so much for chatting to me today. Honestly, what fun. Great. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. It was a real pleasure chatting to Carl Alexander all about EMEA and serverless in general. If you have any commentary about that, head over to wpbuilds.com, search for episode number 350 and leave us a comment there. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by Omnisend, the top rated email and SMS marketing platform for WordPress. 
OmniSend merchants enjoy an average ROI of $72 for every dollar spent, which is double the industry average. Find out more at www.omnisend.com and give your brand the boost it deserves. And by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by heading to go.me forward slash WPBuilds. And sincere thanks go out to GoDaddy Pro and OmniSend for their support of the WP podcast. Don't forget, we've got our Black Friday deals page, wpbuilds.com forward slash black. We're doing webinars and our This Week in WordPress show at wpbuilds.com forward slash live. Go and have a look at the homepage and there are some little cards on there showing what's coming up next. But that's it for this week. I hope you manage to enjoy it. Be productive. Stay safe. Bye bye for now. Here comes some dreadful AI created music.